You're listening to Spice Radio's The Morning Buzz with Mankiran Audula, and today we're talking about Safer, which is a database that will provide a central place for South Asian folks to find resources and community that both feel culturally safer and adequately match their needs. We are now speaking to the creator, Roshni Riyar, who is a poet, writer, and interdisciplinary artist. Roshni, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hello, thank you for having me. Now, before we get into Safer, which I think is so amazing, I want to talk a little bit about you because you've got a fascinating background. You're a poet, which I just think is so cool. So like what drove you to explore poetry? I think what drove me to explore poetry, I've always been interested in poetry and in writing. And I sort of attribute that to my background and my growing up. Uh, I grew up in northern Canada in a pretty isolated town where I was pretty much the only South Asian kid in town uh, for a large majority of the time that I was there. And I just found that I always went to writing to just figure things out that were going on in my head, figure out the interactions I was having with other people. And also reading was such an escape for me. And so it sort of just translated over into creating the kind of worlds that I wanted to be a part of or see. And, and then it kind of just went from there until I started studying it. And now I'm here like actually doing it. Yeah. It's so cool. And what I find really fascinating about your work is you touch on a number of different issues that I feel like a lot of us growing up can really relate to. For instance, you know, code switching, assimilation, Mm -hmm. and internalized judgment can aggravate loss Mm -hmm. with something that you really highlighted. But you also talked about reclamation, which is reclaiming yourself, right, which I think is so fascinating. So what about these topics? Why do you like to really focus on those? I think it's funny, because I really didn't write about them, or really, like, talk about my South Asian identity much at all for a large time that I started writing. But I realized that what I was looking for in the world, like other South Asian poets, other South Asian writers, there were not that many around when I was growing up, or not many that I could find that felt accessible and relatable to me. And I didn't see my story or my experiences out there in the world. And so a big part of it was honestly just wanting to put it out there as a form of representation, because I knew surely I couldn't be the only one feeling the way that I felt. And especially growing up in the diaspora, being someone who felt both comfortable within my culture, but also uncomfortable within my culture and having to navigate a bunch of different like social landscapes. I just thought, you know what, I should try it. And as I started writing about it, I also found that it gave me a really big sense of catharsis and allowed me to sort of examine my own relationship with my culture. That's so true. And what has that process been like reclaiming your identity? Because one of the things that you talk about is your name, for instance. And that's something I'm very Mm -hmm. passionate about, you know, people Mm -hmm. pronouncing my name properly, not butchering it. I really want to own my name. And for you, why is that something that you really stress there? I think it is because I think for a lot of us folks in diaspora, we just want to like be agreeable and and get by and not have to be that person who causes a problem, which is a really, really harmful narrative to be living in because to be that person just to mean to assert your identity as, as it should be acknowledged, right? And I honestly, until maybe a few years ago, 
like purposely mispronounced my name the way that a lot of my white peers did because it was easier for them to pronounce it Roshni Ryer as opposed to Roshni Riar. But I realized how every time somebody did pronounce my name correctly, how seen that made me feel and how I would always try to do the same for others. So I was like, I need to start doing this and I also need to start talking about this because your name holds so much of your identity and how you present yourself to the world. And so even just going by anglicized nicknames and things like that, it was like, I'm doing this for other people. I'm not doing it for myself. So I, I really wanted to shift that and and almost reclaim my own name and my own relationship to my name. Yeah, and, and that's the part that I find so interesting is because, like, we know how our name should be pronounced, but, like, why do you think we kind of struggle to, like, have that conversation with people and say, hey, no, it's actually pronounced like this. Like, I'll tell you, Man Karen, Man Karen, mm-hmm. Mank, Man, mm-hmm. I've heard it all. Yeah. But I've always been yeah. stubborn where I'm like, no, it's Man Kiran. You know, Man in Punjabi means heart. It's got so much meaning mm. to it and I love it. And I'm like, yes, go buy it, Man Kiran. But yet we struggle to like correct people. Why do you think we feel that like kind of awkwardness and tension? This is something I think about a lot. And I, I find it very interesting, especially with women of color. I think there's this fear of being too much and and being sort of, too much about your identity and oh it's overbearing to constantly be correcting people and oh you know it's just easier for us to say it this way like can't you meet us in the middle but that's not meeting us in the middle you know so I think there's that fear of like rejection if you do correct somebody what if they just say no or what if there's an awkward conversation that sort of highlights maybe some microaggressive behavior which to begin with mispronouncing someone's name purposely is microaggressive right so I it always comes back to that, yeah, that too muchness or not wanting to be that person or make everything about race. But how do you not when you are a racialized person, right? That is your life. So I, I, I feel that that's what really affected me. And it's interesting to grow up in Canada where, you know, European last names are pronounced totally accurately, right? So there's a level of this fear of what is other other is not defined on our terms, right? So, yeah. Exactly. And I, I will say I've noticed that there's kind of this trend where a lot more, especially South Asians, I will say, in the broadcasting industry, in media in general, are saying, hey, you know what? I They'll put out a tweet or they'll put on Instagram and say, hey, for a long time, my name has been anglicized, mm-hmm. but now I would like you to actually say it like this. I mean, what do you think of that move mm-hmm. and that change that we're seeing? I think it is beautiful. I think that is reclamation right there. That is that is solidifying your identity, how you want to be seen, how you want to be referred to. And it's the very least that someone can do, you know, that it's your name, it's who you are. And I think it's amazing that people feel comfortable to do that and hopefully have a community that's supporting them to put this put this ask out there into the world. That shouldn't even need to be an ask, right? Like, I remember a few years ago, um, the the global news reporter who made the piece about this is how my name is pronounced. And to have that on that level was just so powerful because that reached so many people and had so many people thinking about the ways that they have allowed their name to be, you know, sort of translated for ease or, or mispronounced. And yeah, it's it's really powerful and I hope that it is empowering other people to do the same 
Exactly. Big shout out to Neetu Garcha mm-hmm. there. That was an incredible yeah. story. Now, I want to yeah. talk about Safer. How'd you come up with this idea? Tell us about it. Safer is something that I've been thinking about for a long, long time. How the idea sort of came about to create a South Asian friendly resource database was honestly trying to find care providers and other uh, creatives and community and struggling to find any central place. It took so much time and effort, and I had the privilege of having the time to look up a lot of folks, create this database. But where it really started for me was when I was starting to look for um, a counselor and a mental health provider, service provider, and realizing that in the past, I had seen therapists, counselors, and it never worked. There was always something that never worked. And it sort of dawned on me as I started to um, sit with my racial identity and become more comfortable with my South Asian identity that what wasn't working was how my identity was treated in the room. So being, say, in a therapy uh, session, an introductory therapy session where you are explaining the context of your life, but you aren't actually talking about it. You're explaining the cultural elements to the provider who is supposed to be helping you. So you almost become this like, like this token of reference of like, okay, I'm about to say something and oh, you're probably going to think this is, but this is how we do it in our, you know, and that's, it takes away from your healing journey. And even in, in certain friend groups or creative situations, right? When your your cultural landscape and your cultural references aren't being seen or may have space made for them, you're not able to share the whole part of yourself. And I think especially because I'm moving into working with other South Asian creatives and writing about my South Asian identity almost exclusively at this point, I thought, why not create a database that I, I would like to see in the world. I kept looking for something like this and I couldn't find it. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to put it out there in the world because I think everybody deserves access to community and to services and products that speak to their cultural background and also make them feel not alone and a part of something bigger, you know? And this is true, like we, and especially this last couple of years, especially ever since the pandemic, there have been so many conversations about finding culturally relevant mental health resources. Mm-hmm. But what I find fascinating about Safer is, yes, you're touching on health and wellness, but you're also looking at, like you mentioned, artists and writers can be on here, collectives mm-hmm. and organizations, products, learning, publications, you name it. So how important are you used to mm-hmm. include all these different categories? At first, it it was about the health and wellness. And then I realized that everything that's in this database, I think, can contribute to your health and wellness. In in the simple fact of, let's say, going to the products tab on this database and finding makeup and skincare that is made for brown skin and feeling seen in that and, and seeing names of products that touch on your, your language or your mother tongue. You know, just seeing yourself out there in the world and seeing things that affirm your space and your identity, being able to find a product that is going to match your skin tone, isn't going to leave a white cast, getting candles that have scents that remind you of growing up because there's spices that go into tea, you know, like all of this stuff just, I think it's so affirming and so 
empowering and can hopefully help people to connect with their culture on a on a deeper level or to find products that maybe they didn't think South Asian folks were in that market, right? So, yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, like I think of even like a lot of the makeup brands, you know, they're making it a point to be much more inclusive. Remember there was a time where they really focused on particular skin tones, but there'd be those of us yeah. kind of like in between being like, okay, that's still not quite right. That's too light or that's a little bit too dark, like the in between. Mm-hmm. So did you also have that in mind, like that representation, right? We always talk about representation. I mean, how important is it to have that in like all aspects? Yeah, I think that was a big driving force when I started to expand this to other avenues was one thing, you know, it's about to be summer now, right? Super sunny in the lower mainland and sunscreen, you know, getting sunscreen that is not going to give you a white cast and tons of people of color struggle with something like this. And but you deserve to have something that's going to protect your skin and also honor your skin and let your skin shine and it's true skin tone, right? So I thought that, yeah, including these, not only for South Asian people, but for people of color who may want to take a look at this resource and see what other options are available. And also just to become more aware of all the amazing things that South Asian folks are doing, like, you know, wellness initiatives, different music groups, uh, learning apps for folks who want to maybe learn the language that they grew up around or that they grew up with and lost like I did in my case and now I'm in Punjabi lessons again but without knowing where to find that you know I I wouldn't have been able to do that and I think that's the part that's really sweet because I always feel like especially me like I'm somebody who really wants to like work on my Punjabi and I saw Safer and I was like cool here's a bunch of resources because I'm trying to ask a bunch of people all like I don't know it's all for kids so it's nice to see that there's that range now if people want to be a part of the Safer database and I guess you say Safer spelled S-A-F-R how can they? Mm So if they go to the database, there's a couple of different ways that they can uh, request to be included. So they can email me directly. Uh, my email is roshniriar at gmail.com, just my first and last name. They can find me on Instagram, DM me on Instagram as well. Uh, they can also use the contact function in my website. And hopefully as this grows, which it has been really growing, which I am so, so, so so happy to see that it's resonating with so many people. I'd love to take it to a different level. So maybe it becomes an interactive website where people can contact the website directly and then we can start inputting things through there. But for right now, yeah, just shoot me a message. Let me know who you are, what you do and where we can find you. And yeah, I I want anyone who wants to be included to be included in it. And actually, I want to talk a bit more. What's the reaction been ever since you put this post out there? Honestly, when I made it, like... I thought, okay, well, all my friends are going to be really happy about this, and it'll be like something I pass around to my social circle. But it has been, there's just been such an outpouring of support, and also an outpouring of wanting and needing to see this in the world. And that is what I think really, really underscored why I did this, because I didn't see something like this out in the world. And to see so many people go, this is exactly what I needed. I wanted to find a South Asian naturopath, a South Asian nutritionist, you know, all of these things. Like, it has just been, it's been so heartwarming. And it's amazing to see people engaging with it, requesting to be a part of it, sharing it to other people. The conversations that are happening have been just amazing. Yeah. 
It's so beautiful. I love this. So I want to remind people, we just spoke to Roshni Riyar. She is a poet and honestly a genius, if you ask me. She's the creator of Safer, <laughs> S-A-F-R, a database that'll provide a central place for South Asian folks to find resources and community that both feel culturally safer and adequately match their needs. Roshni, thank you so much for joining us. You take care and all the best. Thank you.